welcome back to Open World Chat. I am your host, Jim Dandino. I am joined by uh, esteemed founder, John Odom. And we are joined this week by Elana Levin of Graphic Policy and Graphic Policy Radio and all sorts of different places on the internet where Elana goes to talk about how great the comics she loves are. And we invited her here today to talk with us about the complicated politics of the Krakoan era of the X-Men. Welcome to the show, Alana. Hey, it's great to be here. I love the premise. So I always excited to talk. It's quite Me a too. premise. I mean, we, this is the kind of thing that could actually be like a 12-part, a uh, you know, Ken Burns maxi-series or something. You know, we have to, we're going to have to pick and choose here for sure. Well, I've, you know, I've talked about it some on my own show, but there's always just so much more to talk about and also love sort of, you know, bouncing off other people's different perspectives and stuff like that as well. Um, but this is definitely an exciting time to be an X-Men fan, that's for sure. Yeah. And even with the shift away from Jonathan Hickman's original plan um, and into the new era where, you know, folks like Karen Gillan are stepping in and, and Al Ewing is getting a little bit more prominence. I read X-Men Red basically as soon as I woke up this morning and mm-hmm. I am just so thrilled. I am just so thrilled that we're getting all that weird stuff. We're getting Cable and Vulcan yelling at each other on Mars. Um, it, it's just, it's a joy to me. Um, and it's, it's nice that it hasn't really missed a beat either. And I think so. his idea was always to be able to have a writer's room so that it wasn't just dependent on him, you know? Well, so, okay. So this is, this is the first thing I want to talk about. And this is something that has been rattling around my brain basically since I first started hearing Hickman's interviews about what he was trying to do here. One of the mm. things that he said, it, like a mandate to his room was don't create new characters. There are plenty of X-Men for you to play with. Right. <laughs> and that hasn't, that certainly hasn't held broadly, right. With the, the Araco and the Iraqi mutants are all brand new to comic books. They were all created by the various teams that are uh, using them. <clears throat> but at the same time, I can't help but hear the voice of somebody who had his creations put onto the big screen where they were, where they made billions of dollars for the parent company and who probably did not see a substantial sum out of that. And I'm thinking specifically of uh, the black order Thanos's crew that oh, showed okay. up. I was in, wondering, yeah. Okay. No, I'm mm-hmm. thinking I'm thinking of the Black mm-hmm. Order. They they were in the movies as though they were part of Thanos' team from the beginning. And they were I not. Bet <laughs> they were not, and they, they were created by Hickman and ah. uh probably Lionel Yu, uh, yeah. if I'm remembering the Avengers stuff correctly. And I can't help but hear him training a new generation of comic creators not to give their best ideas away to a faceless corporation. Huh. Yeah. What an Am I insane for thinking this, for suggesting this? You know, I think that's a really great point. I mean, there is sort of the X-Men. Mm, the X-Men have always had an expanding cast and it sort of reflects generational differences of like who we wanted to make sure we were telling stories about. But I, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned the Black Order specifically, because I feel like that's a concept that wouldn't really make any sense outside of, you know, Marvel and yet the point remains, yeah, give the guy more money. It's ridiculous. Um, so it's sort of, I, but I, I think that like the, the characters who have been created in the new series are a combination of characters who we need to see through world building. Like if you want to do a story about Araka, well, then you have to have some people to populate it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
not going to lie, I'm not like super interested in the Araco end, but I'm also not not interested. You know what I mean? Like this is interesting, but it's not my most that's not the thing I'm most interested in within it. Um, but then you have, you know, like Vita Ayala and um, Rod Reyes are introducing new characters and new mutants who are really important to have because there haven't been enough trans and non-binary Hmm. canonically i should say rather than subtextually uh, right. x-men characters and so and they also are younger which is you know this sort of traditional dynamic of like having a new class of young people to 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 raise and so i think that's been the other main place we've seen new characters but we've really seen a great job of them keeping characters that people know and love from the past giving them fresh angles resolving things that didn't make sense about them or that felt icky and but you're right about mm-hmm. the analysis in terms of like the money yeah yeah Okay. Um, because, you know, I can't help but see, you know, the guy who wrote Black Monday Murders and has, you know, the, the Krakoan, the, the dominant economic theory on Krakoa is we're going to use your own tools to kill you. You know, I, I can't help but think that, you know, a, a comic creator who has been exploited like that in the past um, would be, would not be teach and and it's not like you know it's not there there were some certainly some seasoned veterans in the room with them right you know jerry duggan's been around the block uh, obviously lionel you is uh, has been a superstar for a long time before he came to this iteration of the x-men but you have you know leah williams you have vita ayala you have teeny howard um you have ed brisson in there uh lucas wernick you know these are these are folks that are not that weren't necessarily household names before they they joined this era of X-Men, you know, so Hickman and, and you hear these creators talking about Hickman's influence on their careers. You know, I, I just, I can't help but think he's, he's giving them a, a little dose of realism as well, he's coaching mm-hmm. them along. Conscious or not. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's you, no one respects the flame quite like the fool who's badly burned is not necessarily something you think about, you know, it's just something right. you from then on out. but all of this is making me think, you know, we need to have a show where we just deconstruct Hickman. There's just, you know, the I've written tens of thousands of words on den of geek mm-hmm. about this guy, about, mm-hmm. about his work. I, his yeah. Avengers, his fantastic four, his Avengers is a terrible Avengers story. <laughs> it is objectively bad because the Avengers are the bad guys. Um, <laughs> fantastic four though it, well his his avengers is the back half of his fantastic four story ah. and that's why it's so good that's why i like it so much yeah anyways this, we his, are his way vandal, his, his way utopian, off topic right now i know we got it but but we got to have that show man we got to have that show I, t- tell me where and when and i'm there <laughs> anyway let's talk about Krakowin capitalism <laughs> so house of x1 and I think Powers of X six is the one is the scene where Emma's finished manipulating the UN vote, and X Men four are my three kind of touchstones for the defining theories of the Krakoan economy. Do we think that Krakoa is anti capitalist, or that are they just the apex predators of capitalism in the Marvel universe? I mean, I think this is minority capitalism in the sense that they are you know trying to use to paraphrase like Audrey Lord, like the master's tools to assemble the master's house. But I don't think that it's necessarily being presented in a way that's saying like, this is the answer. This will solve everything. This is what folks should do. I think it's showing this is like one approach that is an approach that seems very likely. 
um, that folks would take because, you know, this is the world that we know that we're raised in is one where capitalism is the dominant, you know, economic model. And so it, 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 people find it easiest to imagine themselves using it, but instead of like, hurt you you know instead of it existing to hurt them manipulating it and changing it in ways so that it supports them and supports their community and you know i think in those ways it's like not i mean this is not like a radical utopian story in the because of that but mm-hmm. i think it's great i'm really I'm, I'm i'm totally here for it and i think it um it makes a lot of sense with the players that we have involved in it especially emma frost this has really been her political take for as long as comics have bothered to give her one i would love to see there be some characters who do come out with a more anti-capitalist vision that doesn't just apply to their own community Uh, because they are living in a post-scarcity world but it is just them and like you know as is true for the oppressed minority on this uh in 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 this you know marvel universe like cool, good, good for you. But it would be interesting to see, you know, can this be brought as in ways that are liberatory for other marginalized people around the globe that are not necessarily mutants? You know, it strikes me a little like the OPEC question in some ways. You know, OPEC, are they truly capitalist or are they, I mean, they're, they're a cartel. We're not playing with the markets. They're, they are actively manipulating the markets to their own ends and to their own political ends social ends, even cultural ends, does that count as capitalism? Or is that, is that something else picking up that tool left on the table that's usually a, a tool for its own, its own ends and weaponizing it to ends that aren't necessarily those that you think of as economic? Is that capitalism or not? Anyway, I think there's some of that going on. And it's a, it is a, a question that confounds me all the time. Well, there's no such thing as pure capitalism. So, of course, that this right. I think it's like without a question, it's in line with the capitalist approach. It's about making money. So for the people who are the in-group, making money for the in-group is what capitalism does. So, yeah. Well, I mean, it gives the finger to the invisible hand, I guess, kind of is the idea. <laughs> it, could use, it could use all the fingers we can give it. A lot of, <laughs> I, I, I know it's speculative, yeah. but that kind of transformational ideal that, 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 you know, solidarity outside of just Krakoa, do you think that that's something we might see out of new mutants? Um, Because that book seems to be where, you know, Ayala and Rice and the other artists on that book, they seem to be the ones that are kind of transmuting the concepts of Krakoa most effectively into Mm. action. You know, to me, the premise, the, the whole premise of, Ayala's New Mutants has been to call bullshit on Krakoa's self-importance. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it has been this group of outcast kids, you know, first, first and foremost, it, it, it started with the original class of New Mutants saying, you know, we're just letting these kids hang around and run around. And occasionally we're teaching them how to be soldiers. We should be doing more than that. And and pointing out that that contradiction, um, and then and then it was the kids uh, pointing out the contradictions inherent in the way that their society has started to structure itself. That and that feels to me like the most likely place where we're going to see some pushback against, I guess, inward self. You know how how uh, what's the word I'm looking for? 
Oh, man, you can make me do some editing here, aren't you? No, you can leave all this in. It's, you're, you know, you're not going to do it anyway. Why are you how, pretending? How, how focused it is on, on, on just what is good for Crescent. Right, Cross. right. Yeah. They're, not, they're not doing anything for the rest of the world. You know, we, the X-Men Green arc, I think, um, where Nature Girl starts blowing up oil pipelines was kind of the first place, one of the first places where we saw the rest of the messed up world starting to be impacted by Kirkoan ideals. Um, But I think, I don't know, it feels like the kids, it feels like Cosmar specifically, Cosmar and Gabby um, are the ones that are going to make this an issue. That's interesting. I think you might be right, you know, and I, I think that there's a lot of people in the story who would be very happy to like, never look or think about that because it does make things harder. And there's so much being asked of the, you know, the mutant community to do in order to survive in that moment. And, you know, I can see why somebody might say like, we don't really need to care or worry about them. Like I totally get it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that'll be an interesting source of of conflict if that happens. And and now that we know that they can terraform a planet, uh, the option of retreating to Mars is always probably going to be dangling over it. So they can just throw up their hands and say, you people are too screwed up. We're out. I mean, you think also about like, when we're looking at climate apocalypse for real earth, the fact that somebody can make a backup earth gives you the sense that like, Oh, I guess we can just keep destroying the earth, but right. it leaves out the question of who gets to go to backup earth. You know, right. who's going to continue to have to slave away on this one. But, you, but I think I think the terraforming of Mars like plot hook is is very promising for lots of good material in the future. Yeah, I agree. Can we talk about the quiet aristocracy? Yes, please. Because <laughs> I in in my mind, you know, in going back over this stuff, I was struck by um, how little say anybody had in who rules the mutants. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they just kind of picked themselves, and even 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 the air quotes, good guys, right? Even Nightcrawler and Jean and Storm just showed up on the council as if it was a totally normal thing to do, as if these, mm-hmm. what, they're probably up to 5 million at this point, back and alive now, as if these 5 million yeah. people were just destined to have these nine, or these 12 people lead them. Or yeah, these 12 people who are particularly noteworthy for being specifically charismatic and good at fighting. Those are the two right. skills that they have. It's like, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. I'm well, well, yeah. That's not totally fair. Some of them are also very good at genocide. Oh, point taken. But yeah, I mean, you know, we're good I, at juggling. I think that I feel like it was um, critic and historian Stephen Atwell who sort of pointed out, like, look, Magneto doesn't have a lot of experience living in democracies, so it doesn't surprise me that it didn't really occur to him to even like bother making that a thing in this case. But you know, we like we we have characters who've been in other spaces too. Uh, I I'm really excited for the um immortal x-men book that kieran and um lucas wernick thank you lucas wernick uh just launched because I'm, I'm i'm really excited to see the i feel like more the more the story really continues to delve into the machinations of the quiet council the more it's going to sort of confront people with the whole notion that like the quiet council is a fucked up institution i was excited mm-hmm. to see them bring in hope summer yes. there's been no young people in it at all um and just like negotiate and you have like 
oh, here's our choice. It's the undying vampire uh, from beyond time or, you know, a young woman radical leader who is part of building a constructive new world. And you can say, you know, hope wouldn't get to be who or what she is today if not for Selena. Like, sure, why not? But I still want hope on the quiet council and I don't want, you know, I don't necessarily want the vampire lady. I mean, maybe good drama, but if I had to live there, I would not want the, uh, the, 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 the undying vampire lady on the on the council. No, I, I would be, I would be a passionate and, and hope calls it out right in the issue. Right. I, I would be mm-hmm. a passionate supporter of the person who made sure that I came back to life. Right. And that, that was aside from, you know, the plot stuff aside and, and the incredible sinister character work aside. Oh, so um, oh my God. The, but the, the kind of understanding of, or, or the beginning of a look at, where political power on Krakoa comes from that we got from Hope's little, you guys are backed into a corner and it has to be me speech um, was the most promising part of that book because that not a lot of geek media will play in those spaces, but without a real kind of understanding of the directions that political power flows. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they'll half-ass it. They'll, they'll, cut corners and, and and they won't make all of the connections explicit. And, and the result is a really shallow story. Gillen made all of those connections very explicit um, on yeah. the page. And I really like that. I think yeah. sometimes with something, I mean, this has been such a rich period in X-Men history that mm-hmm. some of these holes we wouldn't otherwise notice. Right. I mean, when, when Hickman mm-hmm. was setting all this up, you know, we have these questions about, about governance because, he didn't really cover them. There's some assumption there because he had plenty of other story to tell. And, you know, he wasn't writing an encyclopedia, even though sometimes it seemed that way. But it <laughs> means those things leave those niggling questions because the world is so complex and so complete. So something that's not filled in makes you wonder. And then that leads to the next story, hopefully picked up by, you know, the next round of, of equally good writers. And these things just start to, to flow in an episodic way that you start that, that, that ball rolling, but you know, I, so I, I think we can examine these without necessarily critiquing um, how it was set up, you know, mm, was there, is there some kind of oligarchy thing going on? What were Nightcrawler and Storm doing there in the first place? Well, you know, maybe I, we don't know, but now we can retroactively go back and yeah. make that a story because the first right. story yeah. was so good and the world it was created was so good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and kind of going to the point of, you know, Magneto, not really, having a lot of experience living in a democracy, I don't know how many of them on the council did, right? Like, <laughs> how many I mean, Exodus that? is a religious fanatic. Sinister. From the past. <laughs> from the, you're right, from the past, from the Crusades. You know, Sinister, I, I mean, Sinister like, was a Nazi mean, scientist for a minute. Yeah, well, I mean, even like, like, like he's like, well, they're kind of like retcon, so he wasn't, so that, he, that wasn't, right, wasn't in him. his brain. Anymore. But the point is, like, he's from when women and Black people couldn't vote, period. Right. As our um, yeah. as we're mystique and destiny for that matter, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's in the setting of that issue, right? Like the issue itself right. is really being like, this is what the world was like back then. Yeah, you know. Yeah. It it is it is not, you know, and then you've got Shaw and uh Emma and Charles who are old money, old money and pretending to be old money, at least mm-hmm. in Emma's case, right? So like they're mm-hmm. they are old school aristocrats. In, in as much as you're going to get on the page in a modern comic book, right? Yeah. So it's not, and, and Storm is Wakandan royalty, uh, even if she's divorced Wakandan royalty, right? So it's not, 
it is not a, a an especially democratically inclined group. I was still will never look at her that way though. I'm not too old. No, she's an X Man. Yeah. yeah, it was ridiculous. It was like yeah. <laughs> making stories in which all of the black characters are, are all have to be connected to each other I is know. like it's racist. I'm sorry. God. Um, the best mm-hmm. thing you can say about it, the best thing you can say about it is that it's lazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the compliment version. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it took her off the board. It, she stopped. This is, this is a side conversation that, that uh, a lot of people have had, but it took her off the board as a major X-Man character and made her a, a contributing Black Panther character mm-hmm. and just unconscionable. Just yeah, a yeah. terrible decision. But I'm glad she's back. And as the regent of the soul system, uh, she has a very, very powerful position. She was the focal character for about half of today's X-Men Red issue, which for everybody listening and John, because I know you didn't buy it. Uh, I haven't had you it need, yet. You haven't. You could go uh, read it right you're, now. You're, you're the as man. As soon as we're done. It's all go you, read buddy. it as soon as we're done. Al Ewing is a, Al Ewing is a genius. Everything Al Ewing does, I like, even when you can barely read it because it's so black and heavily colored which is that that boom book that he does but it's it's amazing it's outstanding anyway sorry i'm I'm barreling over everybody the other thing that i wanted to kind of flag i guess is you know a lot of this is story choices you know we see that the kids in new mutants learning how to use their powers in an offensive way because we're not gonna they're not gonna spend page space showing us the kids learning trigonometry yeah so. Although I would say I was rereading Riot of, at Xavier's recently, and like we have seen glimpses of uh, mutants in schools learning things like history and sex ed, even, and like I think that's really interesting. Um, and I don't want to just be like an anti-math biased person by being like, yeah, no, we don't want to see them learning trigonometry. But I really think it's interesting them learning social sciences. I, I do too, and I, like I do, I I do actually want to see them learning. Right? Like you've got plenty of geniuses on that island. I would love to see some of them walking out of classes where they're learning how to do normal kid stuff and not just learning how to combine their powers in interesting ways. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, the, the realities of the real estate on the page kind of steer us away from some of the foundational societal elements of it so that New Mutants is going to come across more as a military training ground than it is, than it may necessarily be in the conception of the people creating the books, right? Right. Does that make sense? Right. Yep. Yep. So, yep. The, it can, it's going to be wandering off a bit, but you know, futurism informed or created from cynicism is a, you know, it's 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 a, it's a it's a classic dichotomy there, and it really really has been playing out in X Men stuff for years now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the the underlying cynicism to so much of it is uh is is powerful it's a fundamental tonal shift from the older jollier days even when it's being sort of you have having a utopian image about it it's still you know completely founded on this really really cynical stuff mm-hmm. oh elana what's been nagging you the most about this era I mean, I've been one of my biggest things is how hungry I've been for more detailed analysis of the Quiet Council, which I'm now getting because right. we get to have the things we want. Right? <laughs> um, you know, I, I definitely uh, I'm frustrated. Ah, I know everybody who is currently working on books in which Kitty Pride, sorry, in which Kate Pride, 
I know everybody who is currently working on books in which Kate Pride exists wants Kate Pride to be uh, as expressly and clearly bisexual as we all know her to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wish that they were not being constrained in their ability to show that, and I I hope that fans would understand in their reading of the character that they are supposed to be reading Kate as bi, uh, and like that's just of the problem. And and there's, again, some of the big name characters, like they're still having to leave certain things to subtext, despite the the creator and intent being extremely clear. Um, And that continues to be really frustrating, but we, we, we've been given more clarity and more ability to like point to anybody who's a doubter to be like, no, 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 this is here. Um, Right. And I, uh, I, I, I'm also really eager to see, and I'm fine with it taking place a long time down the road. Like I I don't feel like you need to rush when certain things are shown. I'm really eager to see what is up with Warlock and the potential phalanx aspect and anything with like Warlock and Doug being creepy together just gives me a little inkling of excitement. (laughs) Yes. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed that Doug's large wife is being shunted off to Otherworld. Oh no, um, she is. She's in Knights of X. Hmm. And it sounds like they're not going to be able to go back and forth between Earth and Otherworld that easily. Oh boy. Right. Hmm. But that I guess that just leaves more space for Doug to be weird with his arm slash boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah, exa- exactly. It's going to be like, <laughs> like, like, how dare you make me care about this new female love interest you've created for Doug, except she's so good. So fine. She is. Fine. Make me care about her. Fine. <laughs> she's great. I, I can't believe how many of the Iraqi I actually enjoy, right? Like, mm. I, like, Bay, uh, Bay is fantastic. Iska yeah. the Unbeaten is just terrific. Um, and, and she gets more page time in X Men Red than she has since X of Swords, since Ten of Swords. The, the whole, you know, turn an apocalypse into a wife guy and having him go on vacation with his wife and kids at the end of Ten of Swords. Was Amazing. Spectacular. Yeah. Spectacular. Um, and, and, you know, uh, oh, God, what's her name? Cora, um, the one who was in Sword. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one who they threw Fabian Cortez out for. Mm-hmm. She's also, they're, they're just so goddamn cool. Um, Man, I had I have not read. I got to go see that. Yeah, you got to. I'm yeah. telling you, just anything Al Ewing puts his name on, you should go read it. His Defenders book Sword is, is so good. oh, Swords fantastic. Defenders is amazing. Defenders is a sequel to Ultimates two. Hmm. Have you seen? Have you read either of those, Alana? I've read part of Ultimates of his of his Ultimates. Sorry, I, I, right. I've read a lot of the original one, but yes, I read I read a part of his oh. Ultimates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, I mean, his Ultimates. Wow. I, I don't know why it has that name um, besides because the fact they that trying, they wanted to put yeah. that logo on it. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. They were trying to make sure that the brands that they'd created were getting used for something. Um, right. And uh, I'm fine with that. You know, it's sort of like. Mm-hmm. Why? Why is there a defenders called that? Because they have to have. A, there's a champions. Why? Because there has to be a champion. There has to be defenders. It's why we have Spider Woman, and she turned out pretty cool. So you know, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can live with that, and and She Hulk and all of those others. Um, can we talk about? Did you read the Alana? Did you read the um, Unlimited? The Lila Cheney one. Lila, yes, I just read it right before we we came on. Thank you for flagging it for me. It makes me very happy. I, me too. And I, I can't believe how invested I am in the Academy X kids now either. Um, when I <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. kind of I'm explicitly like, hated them. 
<laughs> right? Oh, like, yeah. oh wow, Wind Dancer, and like after X Factor. Um, so Wind Dancer, John, mm-hmm. um, was um, in the Mojoverse in X Factor, right? And I believe she was killing herself on camera for money, and then being resurrected on Krakoa and going back to the Mojoverse for the reality show to save people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Then she got pulled in to do PR in X Corp and is now doing PR for Dazzler and Lila Cheney as they mm-hmm. tour Earth. Um, and I feel like she's—I feel like she's a conduit for Krakoa to project values outward, right? Because like yeah. mass media is, is mass media and fashion through Jumbo Carnation are the ways that you kind of push um, soft power out into the world, right? I go back and get caught up on some of this stuff. I mean, my response in finding that. You know, I couldn't be I couldn't be engaged in in the X universe half-assed anymore. Was right. to was to shift to being engaged quarter-assed. That was not the right response. So mm-hmm. I mean, my God, I got to get caught up. You guys, go on. I, I'm pulling out the popcorn. I'm listening. <laughs> <laughs> I um yeah I lo- and I love seeing Shark Girl. Shark Girl is probably one of the best characters to come out of the Jason Aaron run. Um, I really love. Like that, I'm pretty sure that Shark Girl can choose to look more human when she wants to, and she's just like chooses not to ever. And I love that for yep. her, right? Um, yep. Shark Girl is wonderful. I love having her be there and be part of the band. She's a lot of fun. Um, and Lila Cheney, they gave her her Joan Jet hair, which is important to yeah. me personally <laughs> right. because Joan Jet hair is the greatest hair, and <laughs> it's still in fashion. So, like, why try to make it? Like, don't try to make Lila some contemporary pop star. That's not who she is. You can have her be age ambiguous and still have the exact style she had when she was created, because that style is classic, even though it's associated most with a certain decade. There are bands that look like that now. Also me. So it's like, good. (laughs) Um, Yeah. There have been bands that look like that since Joan Jack came out, right? Like, it's not really... It's like if Joan Jack carried herself like that, not because that look was specifically great, because she was so much cooler than everybody else, right? Yeah, yeah. You, and, you kids and, talking like you know anything about the eighties? I mean, <laughs> let me tell you something. All right, old man Odom's coming oh, back. Here we go. I was there. I just wasn't very old. Right. I was also there. I am. I am a borderline Gen X millennial. Thank you. I'm a geriatric millennial. Yes, I, I'm a Gen X barely. Oh, I, see, I, I, I was I was born the same year Kurt Cobain was born. I'm one of the old ones. So there you go. <laughs> oh man, how does it feel to be a sellout like that? How does it feel to be a sellout to, like that? To survive long enough to be a sellout, John. Dude, Gen X cynicism. Who cares? Well, no, That's we're fair. the only generation that cares about sellouts. Like <laughs> us. Like I don't think anybody else even like no. young people are like I don't know what a sellout is. Please yeah. explain this culturally specific term to me. Go go talk to the boomers about selling out. Well, eh, you know they're the ones who have a hang up about it. We're like whatever. I don't want to talk to boomers about anything that I don't have to. Wait, sorry. Apologies to all our boomer <laughs> listeners. <laughs> you guys are the good ones, man. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the bad ones. It's fine. <laughs> bad boomers. Bad. <laughs> um, so on the subject of not surviving the crucible. Mm. So it's not it's not public yet, right? The Krakoan resurrection is not something that the general public knows. Um, so that's not really... It, it's not really something that kind of impacts Krakoa's power in the world, but it is something that impacts Krakoa's power internally. Um, what do we, what do we think about Krakoa being so cavalier about death 
and how it impacts how they see themselves. Do you think that there's a, an air of invincibility to everybody, uh, to the, yeah. everybody's attitudes oh. that and, makes and them it, a little bit more cavalier? Y- yes. I, I think the story has begun to sort of deal with that when they had that whole patchwork man question. I mean, I think the story is interested in that and I'm sure we'll be seeing more of it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm super interested in the reality of like what happens when mutants don't have to be soldiers anymore. Like that is, that is really exciting to me. And that's why I'm so happy with like the Lila Cheney comic and like incarnation. Like I want to see the cultural production. I want to see, you know, I don't give a, I hate, like, I really don't like sports IRL, but I want to see like mutant sports getting popularized on television around the globe, you know? Um, you know, even here, like, I just want to see this culture society get developed and inspire people um, and, and really get comics to tell stories that are not necessarily just about fighting uh, because I love these other things too. Um, and, uh, but I do think that when the, re- you know, the thing that allows people to do those things is that they've been freed from death. You know, I personally don't really believe in the existence of a soul. So I'm just kind of like, I don't like mm-hmm. I it's sure like it's the same person I, I you know like if you don't know yeah. you don't know and you're I, it, it's it's very fascinating oh so I guess now's the good a time as any to have our periodic and uh, by periodic I mean episodic foray into Star Trek I knew you were gonna say that I was gonna say yeah. you didn't oh yep uh we 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 Wait. always we always end up on Star Trek somehow Alana and um <laughs> as uh, oh, the host co-host of a deep space nine podcast i assume that you have opinions on whether or not it's the same person coming out of the transporter as it was going in ah yes um so i i think that it is but i also i'm not a star trek science person because as you've mentioned i'm a deep space nine person so i haven't spent (laughs) as much time thinking about like how does this actually work but like within the story it sure seems like it is the same person except for when they accidentally come back with a goatee and then there's a different story happening right Right, or they so come I might back be wrong, but they seem racist. Like the Riker, me. yeah, right. <laughs> you know, they might. I might be wrong, but they seems like the same person to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yes, if folks you... don't know, I I also host Deep Space Dive podcast, which is housed within mm-hmm. Graphic Policy Radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and uh, we are. I am fans of both the podcast and Deep Space Nine. Um, I'm a Yay. Ben Cisco partisan. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, I, I I saw the I saw the cast announcement for Picard season three, and I was like, "Where are the Deep Space Nine people? I don't care about this." Yeah. <laughs> from from that era, I'm more Team Voyager. I admit. Oh, I was just we've been watching Voyager, which I hadn't really watched much of before, and but those last couple seasons of Voyager are excellent. The rest of it, extremely uneven. But the last Very season, uneven. The last couple seasons are really good. I. Even to me, even as it's best, I don't like it as much as DS9, but it's definitely good television. Like, that's not even a question. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Ryan, like, everybody needs to, like, bow down and apologize to her for what she went through because her performances are tremendous and she suffered so much over just complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, but what a great actress that got treated so shittily. Good God. She, um, she is, I think, getting her due in Picard right Picard. now. I know oh, she's yeah. so good. She has never yeah. been so hot as she is as an older person being a badass. Like I think yeah. we can all agree. Um, I'm, I agree 100%. <laughs> I'm going to say it real quietly though, because my wife is upstairs right now. <laughs> oh, she I probably agrees want... too. It's all good. 
Yeah, no, Jerry that's Ryan fair. Fan club is large. Well, yeah. Well, so uh, no, welcome, I, I, welcome everyone. I haven't seen <laughs> right, the part season two, but I have seen season one, and I really like season one. I have to tell you because this, this blows my mind. My mom, who has never seen any Star Trek ever except for Picard season one, uh, because her. Or her husband was like, I really want to watch this. And she's like, I guess I'll watch this with you. My mom loved Picard season one, knowing nothing about Star Trek whatsoever. So I think that speaks to it being good television. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I just finished the last season of Discovery. And I think I like this. I like the last two seasons of Discovery the best out of the new Star Trek. Mm. Um, the last four episodes of this new season of Discovery were really good. I'm so behind really, and I know really I want to, I, I know I want to see it. Like I, yeah, I just, it's it, it, it season three of discovery was, and I've said it, I've said it before here was one horny nebula episode away from being a classic Star Trek season. All they <laughs> needed was to go through a nebula that made everyone have sex with each other. And it would have had every single. Oh, they did. I'm disappointed now. I don't know, man. If they didn't go through that nebula. No, okay. I, um, I know, I know. Where is it? just because it's in the future doesn't mean that they can't have a horny nebula. Um, um, I, I, I was when, when I heard that the new show was taking place in the past of Star Trek versus in the future. I was disappointed by that choice, but it sounds like they've switched to that now. So mm-hmm. I just the, think the desire, yeah. to, the desire to constantly relive the past of Star Trek, I think, leads to inward-looking stories, and <laughs> it loses some of the utopian. Um, interest that i think the stories can offer when we go to the future beyond that um and like i don't want everything about star trek to just be about spock like as much as i love spock no. yes, you know yes why yeah. that's that's so that current star trek and they're con- continuing to do that with strange new worlds i mean does it have to be a a, a noonian sing in there couldn't we you know it's just does, did she have to be spock's you know sister there, there's way too much of that. They don't need to go that with every single opportunity they get. Yeah, to, yeah, uh, that's Star Wars thing. that does that shit. Leave yeah, us alone. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it oh was, my god. Right? Although, but, actually, that brings me to something that's directly related to mutants, which I'm going to bring it back to. Oh, good, good. Thank you. I was going to say we should probably figure out how to do that. <laughs> I feel very strongly in the importance of their mutants continuing to be born randomly to random parents. And not having all these stories be focused like bloodlines and like I want mutants to have non-mutant kids and I want non-I want mutant kids born to non-mutant families because like this is how the w- world works when it comes to difference in so many ways and mm-hmm. we have to like talk about those those challenges um, and I feel like uh, you know we're I think we're in a pretty decent equilibrium on on that right now where it's not just like the families. Of the Summerses and their, you know, their reign and whatever. Like, I think, I think this is, I think this is, this moment is a good marking point of, uh, of not having it just be genetics yeah. with uh, family. You know, I'm going to give, I'm going to pull a double reverse on you here just to make the point and flip mm. right back over to a Star Trek thing because somebody <laughs> needs to make this comment there. And I, 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 I think that with the X Men a lot, I have forever. And I want someone to say what Kirk said at the end of uh, Undiscovered Country at some point to say, you know, you know what, Spock, everybody's human, you know, Mm. and I know that takes away the central fun conceit. But at some point, there's got to be of, you know, homo sapiens superior. What? It's all homo. Come on. It it grates a little bit, though, right? Like part of the reason why 
I think the Krakoa era hit the way that it did is because of what Cyclops says to the invisible woman in house of X one, right? I've watched you people try and kill my family for years. Did you think I was just going to sit back and take it? Right. And house Mm -hmm. of X one launches in the middle of kind of the upswing of the BLM protests. um, Mm -hmm. And, and in a world full of um, outgroup upheaval where outgroups are saying, we are not going to sit back and take this anymore. And I think that's part of the reason why it hit the way that it did. I think that's part of the reason why it was so culturally effective in our world. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so good. Those issues were so good. But the one thing I will say is that like if IRL, when you're looking at these parallels, mm-hmm. we are people, right? So right. it's, it's, you know, the sentiment of the sentiment that Cyclops expresses is not at odds with mutants being people. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna say that, you know, when you're when in, in a space where you have, you know, inhumans exist and all these other kinds of people that aren't standard people, you know, and then you have space aliens that are very humanoid, like we're they're all people in the Kirk, in the Kirk sense of it. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. But and I don't think that that acknowledging that undermines the point that or at least if, in the story that I'm telling, which I'm not, but this I'm telling, I don't think Scott's point is undermined by that fact either, I no. guess. Only when there's that Highlander, there can be only one thing going on. That's the mm. only time it, it creates a problem. There, I brought in another reference. I want, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a Highlander episode, I'm, I'm sure. Really? Um, I, I don't know, maybe. I don't know. Somebody, we'll <laughs> find right. somebody from the TV well, show. The, those yeah. people never say no to anything. Well, but uh, as far as co-hosts go, there may be only one if you want to go that route. So. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not enough of a Highlander guy. Money! Um, no, but I feel like, I feel like you've got to be really careful in how you say it, right? Like, I, I feel yeah. like I, I, I agree with you, Alana. It doesn't undermine Cyclops' point to point out that everybody is has a you know shared core of humanity. But I think if you are inartful in the way that it's put on the page. It sounds like mm-hmm. all lives matter, right? Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. And like, I, and, and, and it's important for people to understand that seeing all the, I mean, like Hitler was a person, right? Sure. Like people are capable. The, the category of person is, you know, is immense, right? right? I mean, I'm all, you know, bringing another Battlestar Galactica, Cylons are people too. As far as I'm concerned, there are people <laughs> who are trying to kill people. Guess what? Also in real life, people do do that. That's the thing people do. Um, right. So these are all people. And like, we have to come to, to react. The fact is that like humans are, ter- are, are, are capable of terrible things and wonderful things. And right. you know, that's all contained within this category. And that's where Sabretooth is going, right? A little bit. Yeah. Is that like there's some yeah, 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 there's yeah, some yeah. folks who are unre- some that that Sabretooth is is irredeemable. Sabretooth is like your edge case. He is the worst person on Krakoa. Um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. like, what do we what do we do with people like that? How do we what 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 is there that is humane that we can do to them that that will help them become better? Um, or and and you know we're only two issues yeah. in, right? So like we don't know yeah. what conclusions the story is going to draw, but it certainly seems like that's the question that the story is asking. Yeah, it's so good. I'm I'm really excited that Richard Laval is the one writing it because I don't trust just anyone to do that, right? And I don't think anybody else would have proposed that idea either. Yeah. You know, and that was one of the nagging things. I'm like, do you just like throw your serial killer rapist into a void? Because it seems right. like there should be something, 
you know, I don't know what the solution is, but let's talk about it. Right. 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 It doesn't, it, it was one of those things where, it, you know, it, it was clearly considered, but it, it doesn't seem like it was thought through all that well. And, and I think Lavelle is definitely the right guy to do that thinking. Throwing, throwing Sabretooth in the hole when there are people who are just as evil as him on the council really shows mm-hmm. you how the question of personal power, like Sabretooth doesn't wield a block of power of like supporters who need to get bought into this in order to join in. So he right. doesn't have the power to say, actually, I'm a player at this table. He's just a lone, violent, psychopath, right. rapist, terrible human being. And if you're right. a rapist, terrible human being who has represents a block, like let's say you're Sebastian Shaw, who's a fucking rapist too, you still yep. get a seat at the table. Right. And that's really, that's important to like, to show that, you know, and, right. to, and to talk about that. Right, right. Shaw and Sinister are on there because of their utility to Cohen society, whereas mm-hmm. Sabretooth's utility is killing people. Mm-hmm. And there's so many other people who can kill people who are not going to be rapists about it that they might as well right. throw him in the in the thing, you know. Right. And but like, yeah, like the story has to it was looking at that power, that power differential, and like which uh, violent people get um, elevated to. That be, uh, you know, like Henry Kissinger still is invited to go to whatever right. he wants to. He proceeds to not dying for some reason, but like Kissinger is like still out there, you know, eating at Le Cirque or whatever the fuck, you know. <laughs> well, I think Kissinger is actually the best. I think Kissinger is, is the best argument for people having a soul because um, I don't think Kissinger would have survived this long had his not been replaced by some demon. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't him who stepped out of the transporter. You know. There, there you go. But just say this is a great um, testament again to just how much thoughtful and good storytelling has been going on here. Because the, mm-hmm. the very reasons that Sabretooth has always been an incredibly boring, who gives a damn character mm. for God knows how long is now the very reason why he's suddenly an interesting character to talk about an interesting story. Yeah. To tell. And that's yeah, because I, you've right. got good storytellers. But like, you're also right about how Sabretooth was really boring for a long time. I, I hadn't even put those terms to it, but you're right. It was just sort of like, Sarah, oh, in my brain, I'm like, Sabretooth is ick because I don't want to read about this fucking rapist doing stuff. But right. you're right. It's not just that he was boring. Yes. Good point. He's just this thing. And now by virtue of being that, we're getting some really interesting conversations out of it. Kudos, kudos to them, I say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, this, is the, this is the most um, sustained, broad level of quality for the X-Men line that I think I've had since I started reading comics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. Alana, where can folks find you? Well, I'm on Twitter a little bit too much. Uh, E-L-A-N-A. <laughs> underscore brooklyn that's ilana underscore brooklyn uh and my podcast is graphic policy radio and uh deep space dive is part of graphic policy radio so you'll find all my podcasty stuff in there awesome alana thank you so much for joining us and everybody go read your x-men comics right now i'm going to get caught up i'm gonna do it i promise i promise you got this buddy (laughs) (laughs) all right um alana thank you um, sincerely, this was a lot of fun. This was a really, really good conversation. I'm, I'm glad that you were so eager to join us. Yeah, thank you. This is, a, this is great. I'm really excited about your show. So thanks cool. for having me on. I will shoot you a link when we go live so you can have a listen. Yeah, which should be Happy Monday. I'll it. have to do all oh, the okay. post-production on it uh, Sunday. So I'll 
it'll go up there and hopefully you'll be able to tell how much sleep I got to how many things I screw up, but you know. yeah, do your fundraising too. Okay. Don't forget to make your fundraising calls. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, let me tell you now. See, I, I'm, uh, I'm running for statewide office right now. So oh. He's running, he's running for secretary of state and I'm oh. definitely, so it's a really good time for me to get back and caught up on reading all this. Cause you know, Krakoa <laughs> will definitely uh, inform my views on governance as I present my uh, candidacy to the state. This is exactly what we want the person in charge of the office of professional regulation to have in mind. (laughs) Um, All right. I have to go. I have to go back to my day job. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. All right. Good talk, everybody. Thanks as always for listening. And our theme music is by Christopher Piatic.